Well, folks, the NBA season is less than one week away, and former Gonzaga star DeMontis Sabonis is going to begin his first season, full season, I should say, with the Sacramento Kings. Hear more about his potential role this season and what his year might look like right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss all of the college football action this season right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. All right, happy Friday or happy weekend. Whenever you are listening to this, we are continuing our NBA season preview series. We've been doing a player preview series for everybody on Gonzaga, the men's basketball roster for the Zags. We talked about Efton Reed and Malachi Smith earlier this week, but we still got a couple more NBA Zags to complete. Uh, we've been doing those throughout the last couple of weeks as well. We're going to do Jalen Suggs last week. Unfortunately, he got hurt and there's not a clear timetable on his return, but we still got a couple more NBA guys to talk about today. We're going to close out the week discussing the best of the bunch that is of course two-time all-star and now member of the Sacramento Kings DeMontis Sabonis rocking the jersey today for those of you watching on YouTube it's the first time I get a chance to rock the jersey of the player who I am talking about on the podcast it's a bit outdated it's a Pacers jersey as you would probably expect but someday I'll get the Sacramento Kings jersey we'll get the get the collection as updated as possible the Celtics jersey is still Kelly or the Kelly Olynyk jersey is still a Celtics jersey so got a handful of jerseys in between there that that I haven't acquired yet but I will start out talking about Sabonis's player history he of course spent two seasons at Gonzaga from 2014 to 2016 the son of basketball legend Portland Trailblazers star Arvidas Sabonis a highly touted prospect, although he was international at the time, playing in Lithuania. Barely top 100, I think. The international prospects tend to not get valued all that uh, accurately. Uh, it's it's gotten better in recent years, but certainly Gonzaga has has been able to take advantage of recruiting players who weren't super highly regarded and turning them into superstars like Demontis Sabonis. He came off the bench in his first season in Gonzaga, uh, 9.7 points, seven rebounds in about 22 minutes per game. So. It was a bench role, but it was a big bench role. He was contributing quite a bit. He absolutely exploded in his sophomore year. Uh, no surprise there. 17.6 points, 11.8 rebounds, and just under two assists per game in year two. Really, really was a catalyst for that 15-16 team that had extraordinary front court depth with him, with Shemek Karnowski, with Kyle Wilcher, but struggled a little bit in the backcourt. Eric McClellan ended up stepping up and being a huge part of the reason that team won the WCC tournament, got that 11 seed in March, and then pulled off the big upset in the second round against Utah. That was also bonus against Jakob Pertl. Really, really monstrous game for him and a really, really fun NCAA tournament. So bonus parlayed that into getting selected 11th Overall, in the 2016 NBA draft, again, a guy who was not a top 100 prospect or just barely a top 100 prospect, spent two years at Gonzaga and was all of a sudden the 11th player picked. 
in the NBA draft. He was actually drafted by Orlando, but his rights were quickly traded to Oklahoma City, which is where he spent his rookie season, and it was kind of a disaster. For those who remember what Sabonis' rookie year looked like, he was under Billy Donovan was the coach, Russell Westbrook was running the show over there, and they kind of, it seemed like they didn't know what kind of player DeMontis Sabonis was, they got him. They had him spend a lot of time out on the perimeter. He wasn't under. He wasn't crashing the glass. He wasn't doing a lot of low post scoring. He was kind of just spacing the floor to allow Russell Westbrook room to operate. Which, if they'd wanted a player like that, they should have gone out and got a player like that because Sabonis just wasn't that. He shot only forty four percent on two pointers because he was taking more long twos. Only thirty two percent on three pointers, which is because shooting threes has not really ever been a part of his game. His numbers were less than six points, less than about three and a half rebounds per game. After one year in Oklahoma City, they decided they'd seen enough. They traded him alongside Victor Oladipo to the Indiana Pacers in a deal for Paul George, a rare deal for superstars that seemed to kind of work out. Uh, you could argue it didn't necessarily work out for Oklahoma City because they didn't reach the, the highest level that they wanted to reach, but they had really, really good teams with Paul George. Certainly the Pacers got uh, two-time All-Star in DeMontis Sabonis and a very good player in Victor Oladipo. Uh, so one of those trades that I think sort of benefited everybody in a way, uh, Sabonis was just developed into a legitimate monster while he was in Indiana. He came off the bench his first couple of years, averaged about 25 minutes per game, still averaged 13 points, eight and a half boards, even in a bench role. So clearly even just a, a difference in philosophy, coaching philosophy, figuring out a different way to utilize Sabonis was a massive benefit for him. And then, then he stepped into the starting lineup, and then he had his two All-Star game seasons. Both years that he was an All-Star, he only played 62 games uh, due to injuries. The COVID-19 had an impact on that as well. Uh, in the 19-20 season, he averaged 18.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, 5 assists, shot 54% from the field. This is when the Pacers figured unlocked the key for DeMontis Sabonis, which is, yes, he is primarily a low-post scorer. Yes, he is a tenacious rebounder. Yes, he doesn't stretch the floor exceptionally well, but just like his dad, he is an exceptional passer and he can facilitate, he can run the offense, you can kind of facilitate actions off of him in the high ball situations, you can extend him all the way out to the three-point line. Yeah, he's not going to knock down a bunch of shots from right there, but he's smart with the basketball. He makes good plays. He's a good distributor. He's a good scorer. He can put the ball on the deck. Once Indiana figured that out and unlocked that, things really came together. The 2020-2021 season was a monstrous year for Savonis. Again, 62 starts, 20.3 points per game, 12 boards, 6.7 assists, 6.7 assists, and 1.2 steals. Ridic 20 and 12 with nearly 7 assists per game is just ridiculous. Sabonis was another all-star that season, clearly on his way to legitimate superstardom in the NBA. He played 47 games with the Pacers in 21-22 before he was traded to the Kings in the deal for Tyrese Halliburton. I was kind of a surprising trade that some Kings fans were a little upset because they really wanted to build around De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. As a Blazers fan, I can tell them pretty confidently that trying to build around two undersized guards just doesn't work all that well. I would rather distribute my talent amongst Really good guards and really good forwards for them to have traded for Sabonis, drafted Keegan Murray, excuse me, also to have drafted uh, Davion Mitchell out of Baylor. I think they're well on their way towards actually having a good team. Uh, with the Kings last year in 15 games, Sabonis averaged 19 points, 12.3 rebounds, and six assists. So again, just right around that 2012 and six mark, which is just elite level production. We're going to talk more here 
in the second segment about what those numbers might look like across a full season. We saw it for 15 games, but now that he's had an entire offseason to work with De'Aaron Fox, to work with Mitchell, to get to know Keegan Murray, this could be a really, really good year for DeMontis Sabonis, his first season in the full season in the Western Conference since he was a rookie. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to see what that looks like. We're going to talk about that here in segment number two. But first, I want to tell you all about Underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college basketball season. It's crazy easy to sign up and get started, and each game can be a different bet or pick'em choice for your favorite Gonzaga stars. You think Drew Timmy's going to score more than 18 points against Chris Beard and the Texas Longhorns? Go to the Upside app and drop your bet. It's easy money. Bet Timmy and one to four other players, Gonzaga or not, and you can win cold, hard cash. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Go get in on the Pick'em action today. Right, segment number two. Slam Patton still locked on Zags. Still talking all things DeMontis Sabonis here. It's also still Jersey Week here on the YouTube channel, repping the Indiana Pacers DeMontis Sabonis jersey. If you are listening to the podcast and don't get to see and participate in Jersey Week, feel free to head to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button while you're there. We're trying to get to 1,000 before the first game of the season. We're pretty close. We're pretty close, so if you're listening and you haven't done so yet, just go to YouTube.com, search Locked on Zags, and hit that big subscribe button. All right, here in segment two, we're doing best case, worst case scenarios for DeMontis Sabonis in his first full season with the Sacramento Kings. The best case scenario for DeMontis Sabonis is that he becomes a three-time All-Star and makes the All-Star team in a very crowded and very, very top-heavy Western Conference. It's not going to be easy. The, the days of the Western Conference and Eastern Conference being super, super imbalanced have kind of gone away. I think the Eastern Conference has caught up. LeBron has had a lot to do with that, although he is now, of course, in the Western Conference. Uh, you have Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo over on the Eastern Conference. So it's not as imbalanced as it used to be, but trying to make the Western Conference All-Star team as a forward this year going to be really, really hard. Best case scenario for DeMontis Sabonis is going to look pretty similar to that final year, final full season in Indiana. He only played 62 games that year in a best case scenario. We're looking at, you know, closer to 80, 75, 77, 80, 82, maybe, uh, if he could play every single game. Uh, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, that kind of stuff. I think the ways that this happened in Sacramento, basically the partnership with De'Aaron Fox needs to be really, really good. It looked good last year in a 15-game sample size. Every report we've seen out of Sacramento's training camp and preseason this year has been very positive. But that's kind of, that's the biggest part. They need to get along well together. Not only from a ego perspective of like, this is my team versus this is your team and how are we going to balance that, but also just like basketball-wise. They need to know where each other is. They need to be able to kind of read each other, read their actions, get used to how each other plays and, and how they respond to things and all of that stuff. And the best case scenario for the Kings is that their vision of these two guys being like anchors for this team going forward looks really, really smart right out of the shoots. Other best case scenarios for DeMontis Sabonis, he's either not asked to shoot 
a lot of three-pointers, or if he is, we see some improvement in that regard. It's easy to forget that DeMontis Sabonis is only 25 years old, so it's not like he's at this point in his career where he can't continue to develop new skills or hone in on skills that perhaps haven't been there previously. But it's also, you know, it doesn't take... You don't have to be an expert to look at DeMontis Sabonis' basketball reference page and be like, this guy's not a good three-point shooter. He just hasn't been a good three-point shooter in his career. He wasn't in college. He hasn't been in the NBA. So in a best-case scenario, Sacramento maybe recognizes that and doesn't put him in positions to do that. When he was in Sacramento last year in 15 games, he shot about 1-3 per game. In his early seasons in Indiana, he was like 1-1.2 three-point attempts per game. A little later in his career, he was up over two, uh, and the numbers weren't great. And, and in Oklahoma City in his rookie year, he was about two, and, and they were not good at all there. So I think a best-case scenario for Sabonis, more likely, is him only taking about one attempt per game. I think it's okay for him to take one. He needs to be able to make the defense honor him. He needs If they're going to sag off of him, especially if he's playing a facilitator role, He part of that involves needing to make de- defenders respect him. If they're leaving him wide open, he needs to be able to feel confident in taking that shot. He may not knock it down, but he needs to feel confident being able to shoot that. Best case scenario, he is. He takes a few of them. He knocks them down at an okay rate, but it's not something that's asked of him all of that often. Best case scenario for DeMontis Sabonis is that his usage rate, which was very, very high, is around 25% in that small sample with the Kings last year. That continues to be really high for him, but the turnover rate comes down. Last year's 18.1% turnover rate. Uh, again, 15-game sample size with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he was new to the team coming over midseason. There's a lot of caveats that I want to make sure are noted there. But the 18% turnover rate was a career high. And in a best-case scenario, over a full season with more familiarity with his teammates, more familiarity in the offense, he still gets used quite a bit. He's still up around 24-25% on that usage rate, but that turnover rate comes down. Maybe the assist rate stays similar. Maybe it even bumps up a little bit. We want to see those turnovers come down because that's going to be an issue for him if he's continuing to turn the ball over at a high rate. And then, of course, the pairing with Keegan Murray is something I'm going to be really interested to see how that looks this year. Murray, of course, out of Iowa, sixth pick or seventh pick, fifth pick. Fifth pick in the NBA draft this year. Uh, really excited to see kind of what he ends up looking like, uh, how how that pairing works with Sabonis, with Murray uh, in the front court. He's kind of an undersized power forward, but I think he's really going to pair well with Sabonis, especially as long as that Fox pairing works out well. And then beyond that, again, making the all-star team. That's the, that's the best case scenario here. The Kings being good is a nice scenario as well. The Kings kind of starting to pull out of their really long rebuild that they've been in. The Fox and Sabonis pairing gets kind of listed among one of the better front court, back court, one-two combos in the league. And Sabonis is considered a top 30 player in the NBA. Like that's the best case scenario for him. He's probably right around top 50 at this point, but top 30 is, is absolutely possible if he's able to do some serious damage against good teams in the Western Conference. What's the worst case scenario for DeMontis Sabonis? Uh, well, it's that him and Fox don't coexist very well. It's that there's either an ego element or a just miscommunication element or this is my team, no, this is my team kind of element. And you you can kind of sense that, that, is, that there's some cohesion issues. Maybe Sabonis is not distributing the ball as well as he should. Maybe Fox is not uh, looking for Sabonis uh, in certain situations. Uh, maybe you know, it could be a variety of things, but... If there is any kind of strife or turmoil there, that could be the that's probably the worst case scenario because for the Kings, then it means that they have to quickly figure out how to resolve this issue or decide which one of them they want to 
maintain going forward. And that's that's not a situation that Kings or Kings fans are going to want to be in. Uh, worst case scenario for Sabonis is that the turnovers continue to be an issue. Uh, it makes it tougher for him to be more in that facilitating role. Uh, maybe they have to have him be more of a, a post-up big as opposed to a big away from the rim. Uh, maybe they keep him in that facilitator role and just he just turns the ball over more, and that is just something that is more of a challenge. It makes his numbers not look as good. Uh, worst case scenario for Devonta Sabonis, the Kings ask him to shoot a lot from deep. Maybe that is something they're hoping he's able to do to bring to their offense to stretch the floor a little bit uh, because they have Murray, because they have a couple other guys who I think are, are more capable of being scorers away from the rim. I think Sabonis is probably going to be more of a facilitator and more of a low post scorer or drive to the basket scorer, which is good news for him. But again, worst case scenario, maybe he's asked to do something he's not comfortable with. We've seen that before with what happened to him in Oklahoma City. We're hoping that it doesn't happen again here in Sacramento. Beyond that, uh, worst case scenario, Demontis Monis is not a very good defensive player. He hasn't been a very good defensive player throughout his NBA career. He is, he is not as bad as I think that there is some sentiment about there out there about him and his defensive struggles. And it's not great, don't get me wrong, but... A worst case scenario, because the Western Conference is really crowded, you got Anthony Davis, you got Carl Anthony Towns, you got Rudy Gobert, you got, I mean, LeBron, obviously. There's, there's just an, Kawhi Leonard. There's a ton of really, really talented players in the front court. If Sabonis is tasked with guarding a lot of those guys, it might be fairly apparent that that's an issue for him and that's an area of the game that he struggles with. And in a worst case scenario, it's just a, a common talking point. This season, something that you don't really want people to be talking about, but might end up happening for Sabonis. Uh, and then, of course, the worst case scenario really is just kind of a slow fade into less relevancy. It's hard to say that the Indiana Pacers were particularly relevant during Sabonis's tenure there. So it's not as big of a step down, but still for him to go from Oklahoma City to Indiana to Sacramento, he hasn't gotten a chance to really play on a, on a big stage uh, with a really formidable uh, like a really formidable team and also like in a in a big city and worst case scenario is that in Sacramento in a crowded western conference even if he has a good year even if his numbers are not bad he may just not be as commonly talked about among the best players in the NBA and that's again you know not the worst thing in the entire world necessarily especially if he's still playing well but it would be a bit of a bummer to see that happen to Sabonis especially since he's only 25 years old all right, folks, we're going to come back in the final segment of the show. We're going to talk a little bit more about Sabonis' expected role and more about his legacy as a Zag coming up. All right, segment three. Still in the still locked on Zags. Still talking all things Gonzaga, former Gonzaga forward, now Sacramento Kings forward DeMontis Sabonis as he heads into his first full season with the Kings in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I think we're he's been really consistent. He's been consistently excellent for the last three or four years. I don't see any reason for that to change. Sabonis is going to be the starting center for the Sacramento Kings. Murray's going to start at the four, it sounds like. Uh, obviously, you have De'Aaron Fox in that starting lineup as well. I, I think that He's going to start. He's going to play 30-something minutes per night, and I think he's going to average between 18 and 20 points. He's going to average around 12 rebounds. He's going to average around five assists. He's been really, really consistent in that regard. I think that the Kings were smart enough to acquire him and, and figure out how to utilize him correctly. He averaged 18.9 points in 47 games with the Indiana Pacers last year. He played 15 games with the Kings. Guess what? He also averaged 18.9 points right on the dot. His rebound numbers were within a half a rebound of each other. His assist numbers were within like a half of an assist of each other. So he basically was the exact same player in Sacramento as he was in Indiana. 
Partly that just tells you a lot about who DeMontis Sabonis is, as he can go out in a basketball game and get 20 points and 12 rebounds night in and night out, which is ridiculous proof of how freaking good he is. But it also tells you something about the Sacramento Kings. It tells you that they were willing to put him immediately into a role that he can succeed in. Not every team would do that. We saw that with Oklahoma City, where they put him into a role that, you know, caused him to fail. I'm picking on them a little bit, and yes, it's different taking a rookie who has no NBA experience versus a two-time All-Star. The Kings shouldn't get too much credit for letting a two-time All-Star just do his thing. That's what they should do. That's what any good coach would do. Uh, but still, it was encouraging to see that they didn't try to mess with his game a little, mess with his game too much. They kind of are trying to build things around what he's already good at doing. And I think that that's going to continue. I think the Kings are going to continue to, to build a roster based on Sabonis being a facilitator, uh, a guy with the basketball in his hands quite a bit, and they're running actions off of him. I see no reason to think that they're not going to continue that situation. However, I have a really hard time seeing Sabonis make many more all-star games while he's in the Western Conference. It's going to be hard. We mentioned LeBron, AD, Gobert, mentioned Carl Anthony Towns, Kawhi Leonard, forgot to mention Nikola Jokic, who is obviously the MVP of the league. Uh, and also in the Western Conference, you have Paul George when he's healthy as well. I mean, just an extremely, all those guys are, are not only in the Western Conference, they're forwards or centers. Like every single one of those guys is the same position that DeMontis Bonus is competing for. If he averages 20-12-5, and five, it's going to be hard to ignore him. It's going to be really hard to not put him on the All-Star game with those kinds of numbers. But look at this list of guys. If they're healthy, if they're all playing well, their numbers are going to look pretty similar to that or better in some ways. And they're going to add different elements to the team. There's some, you know, obviously Gobert is certainly a more defensive player. Same with Kawhi Leonard. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Western Conference shakes out. I think Sabonis' All-Star cases are going to be uh, really tough the next couple of years. I also don't think it's something that he's overly concerned about. Obviously, All-Star games are cool, and making the All-Star team in the Western Conference is an incredible accomplishment, especially these days, but he's going to be much happier if the team is winning basketball games. Regarding Simonis and his legacy, DeMontis Simonis is the second best Zag of all time in the NBA, and it's not close. It is not close. He's not going to catch John Stockton. I don't know that anybody will catch John Stockton because he's one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time, and 50 is generous. He's higher than that. Uh, All-time assist leader, all-time steals leader. I don't know exactly how many All-Star games he made, but over 12, over 15, I think, for his career. Uh, So I don't think anybody's going to get there, but right now Sabonis is pretty far ahead of anybody else. He's the only other Zag to make any All-Star games. Like we said, he's made two already, Uh, and I'm kind of curious how long he's going to hold this mantle. Right now, if I'm being honest, there's only one Zag that I think has really any chance of catching DeMontis Sabonis, and that is, of course, Chet Holmgren, who is not going to play this season. That sets him back. It just doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to reach his sky-high potential. It just means it's going to take longer for us to see whether that happens. Uh, Certainly, there are other great, great players in the NBA out of Gonzaga. Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark, Jalen Suggs hasn't gotten really a chance to prove it yet, but perhaps he will. Corey Kispert. There are great players at Gonzaga who will probably be very good NBA players. I think Julian Strother has a chance to be a very good NBA player. I think that Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas have chances to be good NBA players. They're not necessarily there yet, but I think that that could happen for them. But there's nobody outside of Chet Holmgren who I think is going to realistically be a multi-time NBA All-Star. I'm not confident that Chet is going to be that. I think he can be. I think his his ceiling is much higher than that and his like mid-level with like the the actual area that he could reach could definitely be as good or even better than DeMontis Sabonis. 
but there's also no guarantee he gets there. Certainly missing an entire season is not going to help his cause. So Sabonis could end up being the second best Zag in the NBA for a very long time. Like this could very realistically be a mantle he holds for a while. Uh, and that's a tremendous accomplishment to him. Um, you know, for being a guy, an international prospect, I think it's nice that the Zags kind of can can hold their hat on that. Tommy Lloyd did such an incredible job recruiting international players, uh, and you can look at DeMontis Sabonis as a primary example of that. Rui Hachimura is, of course, a primary example of that. Roni Surioff, who had a 10-year NBA career, he's an example of that. Kelly Olynyk is Canadian. He's an example of that. Rob Sacre, Elias Harris played in the NBA for just two games, but he still played in the NBA. All those guys are international prospects. Uh, Kevin Pangos is from Canada. He's an international prospect. All those guys played in the NBA. Joel Iai, Killian Tilly have both played in the NBA, international prospects. Uh, the fact that I'm maybe missing somebody even after all of that is incredible. Uh, this program has done such a good job of recruiting international, bringing players on to, into Spokane, and churning them out into legitimate NBA players. And, and Sabonis was not the first. Certainly, Roni Turioff would hold that mantle. J.P. Batista uh, was before Sabonis as well, but uh, he's one of the best, uh, the the best in terms of his NBA production as an international player out of Gonzaga. And I think that that should be routinely celebrated. I think every time he does something well in the NBA, Gonzaga fans should be pumped and happy about it. It makes their program look good. Uh, it makes Mark Few look good. Yes, they're not doing as much international recruiting. And yes, there are some reasons for that and some things that I've discussed on the podcast in recent weeks. Uh, but it's still something that they have had this tremendous amount of success doing. And it's one of the things that I'm really proud about this program because they kind of found a way to to find talent that other people weren't finding, weren't identifying, brought it in and used it to be successful. And I just think that that's really, really cool. And it's a really fun story about Gonzaga to get to tell and get to talk about because I think that it's a, an underrated part of their success over the last couple of decades. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Uh, for those of you, depending on when you're listening to this, of course, uh, we got more player previews. We got Mailbag Monday. We got some recruiting talk coming next week, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, available on YouTube as well, so you can see more of the Jersey collection. Check it out there. Finally, I want to thank all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. If you're itching to get back into college hoops and want to hear about some of the other top-tier teams around the NCAA, check out Locked On's newest college show, Locked On Cougs, which is all about the Houston Cougars. Friend of the show and former guest Parker Ainsworth is in his first week at Locked On Cougs, and it's a great way for fans of college basketball to learn more about Marcus Sasser and Kelvin Sampson's outstanding recruiting class. All right, thank you all for listening. And go Zags.